Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan here bringing you another edition of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, it's so fun to do these debriefs with you. How are you today? I'm doing terrific, Kula, and I'm really looking forward to today's conversation because we're going to have a deeper dive with Brian Nickel, the CEO of Chipotle. And Brian used to work for me when I was at Yum Brands, and I'm so proud of the job that he's done at Chipotle and everything that he's getting done there. He's certainly done a tremendous job, and I'm excited to get your take on some of the concepts that you spoke with Brian about. So without further ado, let's get into our questions. Question number one. When Brian took over as CEO of Chipotle, he took time to decide what kind of CEO he wanted to be. And he said that he wanted to be the type of CEO who isn't afraid to make the decisions that need to be made. David, how can leaders get better at making those tough decisions that leaders are sometimes faced with making? Well, I think the real point that you're trying to make here, Kula, is that leaders push those tough decisions away because they are tough. It creates conflict in an organization, and many times they're controversial. But I think what a leader has to recognize is if they have that decision, it's their job to make it. They've got to make those tough calls because their people are looking for them to do it. When leaders don't make the tough decisions, they don't make the tough calls, things get stalled, things slow down, and the urgency that you want to have in your organization dissipates. And so you cannot be a leader that shoves the tough things aside. You have to take those tough decisions on, make a decision after you've done the proper analysis, done your homework, and then move on and execute that decision to the best of your ability until you learn something that says maybe you need to change course. That's such a great point, David. Nobody wants to work for a leader who stalls out and who drags decisions on. So I think that the added benefit of being someone who can make a tough decision is that it does continue a sense of urgency among your team that really keeps motivating people to do their best work. My great mentor, Andy Pearson, the the co-founder of Yum! Brands with me, had this great phrase that he used. He said, there's a big difference between being tough and tough-minded. You know, when you're just tough, you're just being hard on people so that you can show everybody you got the stripes and you can put the extra pressure on. And yeah, you got to do that sometimes. But when you're tough-minded, you're disciplined enough to know that you've got decisions to make. You've got actions you need to take. The organization is relying on you to do just that. I always think about being tough-minded. I think that's a great way to think about making those tough calls. Question number two. When Brian stepped in as CEO, he hadn't yet gained the Wall Street experience he needed to communicate to his board and shareholders about what it really means to drive shareholder value. David, what was your way of getting up to speed in terms of working with Wall Street when you became CEO of Young Brands? Well, first of all, I was very blessed to have an outstanding board of directors. And I had two directors who had great financial expertise and gave me some great coaching. One was John Weinberg, who was running Goldman Sachs at the time. The other was Ken Langone, the co-founder and the CEO of Invamed Investment Company. And both these guys gave me invaluable coaching and advice, and and I really listened to everything they had to say about how I should approach Wall Street and the investment community. 
And I also went outside. You know, I used some connections I had to set up a meeting with Warren Buffett in, in Omaha. And I went to him and asked him how to deal with investors. And he gave me some great advice. And, and that's where I learned the concept of sober selling. You know, you really might love your business, but when you're dealing with Wall Street, you really got to put it into a very, very honest and clear perspective. Don't oversell. Tell them everything about you love about the company, but at the same time, tell them what could go wrong. And telling them what could go wrong is the sober selling part, but it also gives you a lot of credibility. And you know what was really interesting? A lot of times I'd tell them about the things that could go wrong at Yum Brands, and the investors started arguing with me and saying, no, nah, that's not going to happen, but that's a great position to be in. Brian actually mentions the concept of sober selling in the episode too. So that's an insight that you've certainly passed down to the leaders that you've developed too. Well, I think that's one of the responsibilities of leaders, Kula, is that if you get great insights and you go have a best practice visit with another leader or another company, you got to come back and share what you learned. You know, you can't hoard it so it makes you smarter. You got to make your entire organization smarter. Question number three. One thing I really gleaned from this conversation is that Brian is a leader who truly believes that you cannot learn from mistakes if you beat yourself up over them. For example, Chipotle's queso wasn't that great when they first launched it, and now it's a couple hundred million dollars of their revenue. David, how can a leader build this type of fail-then-learn mentality among their team? How do they spread that mindset to the people that they're leading? Well, I think leaders cast a shadow, Kula, and I think teammates or your team members are going to do what the leader does. So you got to really be aware of how you really react to failures or mistakes. And if you're that person that says, how could you be so stupid? What were you thinking? If you do that again, you're going to be in trouble around here. And you do that publicly, man, you're going to scare the hell out of the entire organization. And you're, you're not going to have people wanting to take a lot of risk. So what about the leader that says, hey, look, you know, I don't even like the word failure. You know, what we have to do is use this as an opportunity for us to learn and make the most of it. As long as we don't make the same mistake twice, I think that's the real key around here. It's a different mindset. And when you're the leader, you got to cast the shadow. You got to set the tone. And I've always found that whatever the leader does, the rest of the organization will basically fall in line on. Well, David, that's very true. And it's been true in my career too. You never want to work for a leader that blames and shames you because you're right. It does kind of poison the momentum and productivity of the entire team when you do make a mistake and you're shamed for it publicly. Well, I always say, Kula, the leader that shames never ends up in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, that wraps today's Three More Questions episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're on a mission at How Leaders Lead to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each and every week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. Coming up next on How Leaders Lead is Dan Hurley, the head men's basketball coach at UConn the defending national champion.